Well, good evening, Family Church Haven. Welcome to Sunday Night Local. How are we all doing tonight? I hope that you've had a good day and a good Sunday. If you're watching this live, of course, on Sunday the 11th of April, it's 8pm and maybe you're watching this or catching up with us a little bit later on. And uh, so I hope that you're well, whatever you're doing at the time that you end up listening um, to it. Um, but yeah, it's been a good Sunday. This morning we heard a great word from Pastor Andy uh, following on from the Easter weekend. And uh, I'd encourage you to catch up with that if you weren't able to watch it this morning. We also had a brilliant uh, final Zoom together as a congregation uh, that we've been doing for a year now. It was the 52nd week uh, that we did our pre-service Zoom. Uh, but we ended that with a bang. And then next week, of course, uh, we are relaunching our kids' church for school-aged children. So on Friday, momentum a meeting at the Empower Centre happened. That's exciting. And on Sunday, uh, we've got kids uh, restarting for school-aged children. So lots going on. And uh, keep an eye out. This week we're going to make an announcement about the next stage for us uh, all in terms of regathering. And so that's exciting. And uh, before then, don't forget, we've also got different events that are happening. Uh, we're pretty much doing uh, an event every other week now on a Wednesday evening. So we've got the worship night that's taking place on the 21st of April. Let me get this right. Yeah, 21st of April and the prayer gathering that's taking place on the 5th of May. Both of those at the Empower Centre haven't, both of those you need to pre-register for. Um, so head to family.church, the events, or click on uh, the link in the weekly email that Kirsty and I send out each Friday evening. Well, we're gonna dive straight into tonight a number of things that I wanna share this evening as we wrap up this series on the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And um, it's been such a good series, I've loved um, sharing in this series but I've also really enjoyed the engagement with it and the conversations that I've been having with people throughout the week about what they've gained from this series and how they're trying to apply it into our lives and that's what we want because we don't just want to know um, biblical thoughts for just head revelation we want it for life application we want it to be outworked in our lives and so we've covered a lot of ground in this series it's just been six weeks but it feels like we've been in this series uh, for a long time and covered a whole load of stuff. It's all available as always on our YouTube channel and as a haven't section that you can catch up on all the Sunday Night Locals. But let me just very quickly recap some of what we've looked at. Uh, we've talked about the fact that these are grace gifts. Remember, these are gifts that are given to us by God through his grace. They aren't spiritual achievements. They aren't spiritual rewards or anything like that. They are things given to us by God through the person of the Holy Spirit. We, in week two, ask the hot potato question, are these gifts still available today? Because there's a lot of contention around that. Um, but we spent some time answering that question. And for us, studying the scriptures, but also living out of what we've experienced in life, that's an emphatic yes. The gifts of the Holy Spirit are still for today. They're still in operation in the church and in the community um, today. And we want to be using these gifts. Amen. Uh, so that was week two. And then we've spent three weeks covering the three groupings, if you like, of these spiritual gifts. So there's uh, the revelation gifts, the power gifts, and uh, the utterance gifts. And a massive thank you to Mark Ward and to Daphne for their contributions and what they shared. They both did phenomenal jobs on teaching on their week. Uh, but today I want to wrap it all up. This is a very important week and you're going to see why. Because we're going to talk tonight about something that is actually more important than all of the gifts put together. So if you've got your Bible with you, turn it to uh, 1 Corinthians 12. Maybe you've got a hard copy Bible. Maybe you've got your phone with the Bible app on. But just turn your Bible to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 
and we're going to uh, read the final verse of this chapter, verse 31, and then we're going to read the passage of 1 Corinthians chapter 13. What we're going to do is read through this passage, and then we're going to dig down into uh, this chapter in the context of all that we've spoken about in this series. So 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 31, let's begin. It says, so you should earnestly desire the most helpful gifts. And we've spoken about that a lot in this series. You should earnestly desire the most helpful gifts. But now let me show you a way of life that is best of all. Chapter 13. If you could speak all the languages of earth and of angels but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had a gift of prophecy and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains but didn't love others, I would be nothing. So he's naming there some of the gifts that we've looked at in this series. He says, if I could give everything to the poor and even sacrifice my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable and it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whatever the truth, or sorry, whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up. Love never loses faith. It's always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. Prophecy and speaking in unknown languages and special knowledge will become useless, but love will last forever. Now our knowledge is partial and incomplete, and even the gift of prophecy reveals only part of the whole picture. But when the time of perfection comes, and we looked at that and what is meant by that a few weeks ago, when the time of perfection comes, these partial things will become useless. When I was a child, I spoke and I thought and I reasoned as a child. But when I grew up, I put away childish things. Now we see things imperfectly like puzzling reflections in the mirror, but then we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know now is partial and incomplete. But then... I will know everything completely, just as God now knows me completely. Three things will last forever, and this is the well-known part. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. Okay, so let's begin to look at these verses that are so often used in wedding services, of course. And uh, for people who sometimes maybe go to a wedding and hear these words and they've never read uh, chapter 12 and chapter 14 of 1 Corinthians, they may just think that this is some kind of nice love poem, some kind of romantic writings uh, by this Apostle Paul. And I, I remember going to weddings before I was truly saved and before I really had uh, studied the Bible. And I would hear these verses and I just thought it was like that, like a romantic love poem, um, just speaking about love. And I would listen to it and think, well, what on earth do they mean about prophecy and clanging symbols and and faith to move mountains it just seemed kind of random in the context of this love chapter or this love poem of scripture and so whilst there's nothing wrong with these verses being used at weddings and they're used in a lot of weddings maybe they were used at your wedding if you're married I don't know and whilst these principles are true across every relationship and every situation including husband and wife we've got to understand that actually when Paul was writing this he wasn't writing this in the context of marriage this isn't about how a husband and wife should love each other, even though these verses are used and can be used in a wedding service. There's a simple reason why Paul is writing these words. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 is all about how we use spiritual gifts. Okay, That's the context 
of what he's writing. He's written 1 Corinthians chapter 12, he's coming on to 1 Corinthians chapter 14, and of course he's not writing this in chapters, we've put this into chapters and verses, he's just writing a letter. And the words that we have from 1 Corinthians 13 are just sandwiched in between what we've been looking at in chapter 12 and chapter 14. And Paul's point is pretty straightforward. Because the church in Corinth had been misusing and misunderstanding these gifts. I mean, you had people who were saying that, um, you know, they were more mature in the faith because they displayed a certain gift. There were people who were elevating themselves because they had what was deemed a more miraculous gift. There were people teaching that actually God loved you more if you possessed a certain gift and so on and so on. It was crazy. And so in 1 Corinthians 13, Paul is making this very simple but profound point that if love doesn't control or shape the way that you use these gifts, they are useless. It's worthless. It's pointless operating in these gifts if it's not rooted in love. And actually, if it's not rooted in love and your motives aren't love, then actually you could be doing a whole lot of damage in the way that you use these spiritual gifts. Now, remember that this is Paul writing these words and he was the chief of all Pharisees, wasn't he? That's the way that he described himself. And when you think of the Pharisees, Remember, Jesus would always talk about them as people who, yes, followed the law to the letter, but didn't do so by displaying love. There were people who were legalistic, but didn't actually truly love as God would want us to love. If you want to reference Luke 11, 37 to 54, Luke 11, 37 to 54, Jesus really goes at the Pharisees and there's a whole passage where he's talking about the way that they act. So Paul's probably reflecting and remembering that you can do a whole load of spiritual activity or religious activity. You can do all of that stuff, but actually it's void of substance if it's lacking in love. And so Paul is clearly saying here, you can have all these giftings. He's listed them in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. He goes on to discuss them more, particularly tongues and prophecy in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. But sandwiched in between all of that, he makes this vital point that love is more important than giftings. Now, don't misunderstand Paul in this moment. He's not saying that gifts aren't important. Of course, they're vital and all that we've spoken about is relevant over the last five weeks, but only if they're used in love. Otherwise, they are worthless. Otherwise, we're like clanging cymbals or gone, just making noise, and it's not actually rooted in anything. But we've got to understand it's not an either or situation here, okay? So Paul's not saying it's gifts or love. You've got to choose which one are you going to go with, Corinthian church, gifts or love. He's not saying that to them or to us today. He's saying it's gifts, but used in the context of love. And 1 uh, Corinthians chapter 13 verses 1 to 3 underline that thought. Let's just look at those verses again. Verses 1 to 3, let's home in on that. It says, if I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy, and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains, but didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have actually gained nothing. So Paul makes the point here that being able to use a spiritual gift as given to us by God actually doesn't mean anything about the person that you are. And we looked at week one uh, of his foot truth, didn't we? That as I said a moment ago, these gifts are God-given. So it's not about us achieving them or us being rewarded for our good behavior or anything like that. Uh, and so having a spiritual gift 
sadly, doesn't automatically mean that we have a spiritual character. You can be gifted and not have character. You can have character and not be gifted. God's desire is that we would have both in operation. So it doesn't matter how you can speak in tongues. It doesn't matter how generous you are. These are the points Paul's making. If it's not motivated by love. It doesn't matter how good our worship at Family Church Haven't could get. It doesn't matter how nice we could make the Empower Centre Haven't look. It doesn't matter um, you know, how much you may tithe or give. None of that matters. It doesn't matter if you know more about theology than the whole of your connect group put together. None of that matters if it's not rooted in love and if it doesn't find its foundation in love. Remember what um, Jesus said in, in John 13 verse 35. Jesus tells his disciples what the true hallmark of discipleship is. And it isn't how you speak in tongues. It isn't how many discipleship courses you've been on. It's not even how many Sunday night locals you've watched, believe it or not. He says this in John chapter 13, verse 35. It's recorded. But Jesus says, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. By what, Jesus? By this, if you love one another. That's the hallmark of true discipleship. And so Paul makes this point here, that the gift of prophecy, the gift of knowledge, which remember as Mark spoke so well about, that it's not just having some knowledge and being wise, it's actually the gift of knowledge given to us by God, the, the gift of faith to do miracles. That's all well and good, that's amazing, but it's all irrelevant outside of love. And the reason that he's just hammering this point home, and like 1 Corinthians 13 can seem like he's just hammering and hammering and hammering this same nail about what love is, is because the Corinthian church had completely missed the mark, completely lost the plot in the fact that they were gifted and using these spiritual gifts, but in a way that wasn't rooted in love. And so Paul wants to refocus them and redirect them, remind them it's all about love. Listen, here's the key point for us to understand tonight, that God doesn't want you just using the gifts of the Holy Spirit. He also wants you to display the fruit of the Holy Spirit. As I said, it's gifting and character, not one or the other. God wants to see both of those in operation. He doesn't just want you to be flowing in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, even though he does want that for your life and for the benefit of others around you. But he wants you displaying the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And so Paul sets the scene and then he digs down deeper in the next few verses about what true love is. And remember when Paul writes these verses, as we've said many times before, he uses the word agape. There's different words that are used for love in the Greek and in what is written. And in this particular passage, he uses this word agape, which is who God is. OK, so remember, God isn't just loving. God doesn't just love. He is love. He's the very epitome in nature of what love is. And agape love is this unconditional, undeserved, all giving love. Now, in the following verses, here's Paul and he he uses numerous different verbs. And I've learned through homeschool over this pandemic that the verb is an action word, a describing an action word. And there's numerous verbs here to describe um, agape love. And some of them are positive speaking about what love is, and some of them are, are negative verbs describing what love isn't. And we're going to look at each of those statements in just a moment and look at how they apply to spiritual gifts. But let me just pluck out a few, a couple, for you to understand 
that this is not a random passage in the middle of what we've been talking about. But I want you to see that 1 Corinthians, yes, we have it recorded in our Bible, but it's one big letter. And so Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 is correcting some of the stuff that he's seen elsewhere in the Corinthians church. So, for example, he talks here that love is not jealous. Love does not envy. Love is not jealous. Now, earlier in this letter that's recorded in 1 Corinthians 3 verse 3, Paul says to the church, you are jealous with one another and you quarrel with each other. You see how Paul, this all links up that one moment he's talking about them being jealous and then he corrects them and says, love is not jealous. Here's another one. He says, love is not boastful. Now earlier, and there's a few references, chapter 3, verse 21, chapter 4, verse 7, chapter 5, verse 6, he corrects the church for being boastful. Let me just pick one example. Um, chapter 5, verse 6, he says, your boasting about this is terrible. And so there's many incidences here where Paul is describing love, having told them that they were being unloving in the way that they were acting to one another. So let's look at these verses and and briefly cover these descriptions about love. And remember last year we looked at the fruit of the Holy Spirit and we said in his letter to the church in Galatia that Paul said that the fruit of the Spirit is love, is agape love. And here he describes these thoughts of agape love, some positive and some negative verbs. So the first one is this, love is patient. Love is patient. Now there's a lot that we could say about that of patience and do a whole teaching on patience. But let's continue to look at these things in the context of when they were written, in the context of what we've been looking at in this series of spiritual gifts. And perhaps Paul is encouraging the Corinthian church and us today to be slow in being judgmental of others when they use spiritual gifts and maybe they don't use them correctly or they don't use them brilliantly or they're not effective in the way that they use them. They're they're learning how to use the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Paul says love when we operate in the gifts of the Spirit is patient. So don't rush to criticize, encourage one another as we use these spiritual gifts. Love is patient. Love is kind. Now, again, let's stick with the context of spiritual gifts. We can look at kindness in a number of different ways and the kindness movement and, and acts of random kindness and all these things that kindness is a fruit of the spirit. But again, let's stick with the context of spiritual gifts that will be far more constructive in using spiritual gifts and encouraging one another to grow in spiritual gifts if we are kind in the way that we are to one another. If we speak words of affirmation rather than condemnation. If we approach people with kindness rather than harshness, because love is kind. Number three, love does not envy. I touched upon this just a moment ago. Love is does not envy. Love isn't jealous. Now, maybe this would be an example where somebody has received a gift of the Holy Spirit and they're operating in it. And the church is being blessed through it or the community is being blessed through it. Maybe let's pick on prophecy that God has gifted them to prophesy through the Holy Spirit and they're prophesying over situations and uh, lives are being encouraged and uh, esteemed and all of these things is making a difference in the church or the community. And you may see that and there may be an envy, uh, an envious spirit within you that you get jealous about how God is using somebody else, how they're operating in those gifts. No, no, no. Genuine love doesn't get jealous. Genuine love rejoices at the success of others, rejoices at how God is using other people. It doesn't matter whether they're older than you, whether they're younger than you, 
whether they've been a Christian for less amount of time than you, none of that matters. We celebrate that God is working through other people around us because love does not envy. Love is not jealous. Number four, this is a fourth thing. Love does not boast. Now, this is a flip side of what we were just talking about a minute ago, isn't it? That, you know, just as we shouldn't envy other people, if we've been blessed with a spiritual gift and God gives us the privilege of uh, being used by the Holy Spirit in this way, we should never boast about what God is doing. Now, of course, we can share and we can give testimonies of what God is doing for our lives. And of course, that can encourage other people around us. I know when people share stories of how God is using them and using the gifts of the Spirit through them, it stirs something within me in my faith. But when we're sharing these stories with other people, oh, I was at the supermarket the other day and God used me in this way or that way. We should always do it in a way that points to God and not to ourselves. We should always be putting God on a pedestal, never putting man or ourselves on a pedestal. Because remember, our part in using these gifts is just being used by God. When we lay our hands on the sick and they're recovered, when we see the working of miracles, when we see supernatural faith in operation, that's nothing to do with us. That's the Holy Spirit flowing through our lives. So never point to yourself when you're using the gifts. God should always retain all of the glory. Love does not boast. Here's the next one. Love is not arrogant. It's not proud or puffed up. Now, Paul particularly has in mind here those who maybe strut around puffing themselves up because they've got a gift that they deem to be more miraculous in nature. And so because of that, they can get arrogant they can think of themselves as more important than other people in the body of Christ now again remember we're to use these gifts humbly so that God receives all of the glory love is not arrogant love is not proud love is not puffed up love is not rude is the next point that Paul makes now again perhaps Paul's got in mind those who are being pushy or um, self-seeking in the way that they're using these gifts love is not Rude. Now, if you read through 1 Corinthians chapter 11, you see that there was chaos in this church. I mean, this church needed strong leadership. That's why Paul wrote this letter. Um, you know, their, their services were disorderly, even the way that they took communion. People were being selfish, and we touched upon that in week one of this series. People were being selfish just in the way that they took communion. This is crazy. Uh, and so rudeness in the context of the spiritual gifts means that someone sometimes thinks about just the way that it will benefit them and not other people around them. That's not the point of the spiritual gifts in operation. Love is not rude. Tied in with that, the next point, love does not insist on or demand its own way. Other translations say love is not self-seeking. Now, agape love causes a person to think, how might my gift promote others and not myself? How might my gift benefit others and not me? Agape love doesn't demand its own way in a service or a gathering or a connect group or whatever it might be that these gifts are in operation and are used. But instead, it, it submits to the authority of the person who's running that moment or that service or that gathering or that connect group, whatever it might be, because God is a God of order and there's order in the way that we use these spiritual gifts. Love doesn't demand or insist on its own way. It's not self-seeking. It's not self-promoting. It's not about self. It's about God being glorified in the way these gifts are being used. Number eight, love is not irritable or easily angered. You know, let's be real. Sometimes it feels like people 
are just waiting to be offended by something. They're almost like an offence waiting to happen. They're just waiting to take umbrage at something that somebody says. And when when we're living with that attitude, it can make the, the use of the gifts of the Holy Spirit very messy and very argumentative. Now, genuine Christian love doesn't live that way. And so when it comes to your using of spiritual gifts, love isn't easily angered. Love isn't irritable. Love is something that is not easily angered. Here's the ninth point. Love keeps no record of being wronged. It's not resentful. Now, Paul's talking about those moments where you have genuinely been offended. You're not just an offence waiting to happen. You've genuinely been hurt by someone in the way that they've acted towards you. Now, you have a choice. Are you going to let that go in that moment or are you going to keep a record of wrongs? Now, when it comes to using spiritual gifts and the spiritual gifts being an operation, do you know what? If you're keeping a record of being wronged, you can miss out on what God wants to do in your life through somebody else. Maybe there's somebody who hurt you or somebody who said something once, made a mistake, and you just refuse to let it go. You refuse to, to just forgive them and forget and move on. You're just keeping a record of that wrong. What if God has a word of prophecy for you that is going to come through that person? You could miss out on what God has for you because you're holding them in a grip of unforgiveness and refusing to let go and keeping a record of being wronged even when maybe that person has sought your forgiveness. This is important in how we see gifts of the Holy Spirit operating. Number 10, Love does not rejoice at wrongdoing. You know, it really saddens me when I see other people rejoice in people's downfall, people misusing their spiritual gifts or people messing up. And there's websites devoted, sadly, to people falling from grace and all these kind of things. And I don't know why. Maybe it makes them feel more self-righteous or righteous than other people when actually we know that righteousness comes through Christ and nothing that we could do in our own strength. Other people just love to gossip, of course. But agape love doesn't live that way. Agape love doesn't rejoice at wrongdoing. But rather, love rejoices with the truth. A person motivated by agape love will look to lift others up, to celebrate those who God is using, who are living humbly to be used by God. Love rejoices in the truth. Number 12, love bears all things, or perhaps you're translation says love never gives up now that doesn't mean that we don't hold each other or other people accountable for sin of course we do but we do it in such a way that we don't give up on people we keep believing God's grace over people we don't quit on people when we maybe view them as annoying or difficult to deal with or however you may term it because love bears all things number 13 love believes all things or perhaps in your translation it says Love, trust. Now again, Paul isn't telling us to be gullible here, okay? Paul isn't telling us to be naive. Remember what Mark spoke so well on about the the gift of discernment. But we're to discern the, the motives of what people are saying or why they are saying those things. Now there are some things that we must always disbelieve, otherwise we're going to believe things that aren't in the word of God about Jesus being the way, the truth and the life. But the point here is not that we just believe everything, but that love aims to be generous and accepting rather than cynical and suspicious. It's an important factor. Love believes all things. Number 14, love always hopes. Now, as I've often said before, you've heard me say this so many times, in the Bible, hope is not a mere wishful thinking 
or, or you know, wishing upon a star. Hope is a confident expectation that God is going to do what he said he would do. So when it comes to the context of spiritual gifts, if God says that he has gifts for you to use, he has gifts for you to use. If God says you're not disqualified from receiving these gifts, you are not disqualified because they are gifts and not rewards or achievements. Love always hopes. And finally, number 15, love always perseveres. Love always endures, your translation may say. Agape love perseveres because it believes the truth of Romans chapter 8. That it knows that God causes all things, all things, every single thing to work together for the good of those who love him and accord according to his purpose. Love always endures. What a great list as we wrap up the series on how to use spiritual gifts and how to operate in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. It's got to be rooted in these things. And the great thing is that we touched upon, this list doesn't apply just to spiritual gifts, even though that's the context of it. But what if we were to put these things into operation into our lives? We talked about this in my Connect group this week. What if we could really live out of these things? Imagine how different families would be, how different friendships would be, how different workplaces and, and, and churches and marriages and neighbourhoods could be if we all lived according to the truth of what agape love is. Paul says spiritual gifts they're vitally important, but they've got to be rooted in love. So let me just wrap up this series this evening. I hope that you've enjoyed this six week series. I hope that it's done something in your life. Let me just wrap it up and just remind us of some truths. God has gifts for you to use. What an amazing privilege that the Holy Spirit not only wants you to be baptised with power so that you would be built up, but so also that he could use you for the benefit of the wider body of Christ and also the community at large. I want to encourage you, take some time. Don't just rush off like like Pastor Andy said about, you know, this week that so often we can just rush away from Easter and get on with our lives. No, let's, after this series, keep digging into these truths in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 to 14. Take some time to read them, read some books about them. Let's be in a position where we know that these gifts are for today. Understanding that, Earnestly desire these gifts. Pray that God would use you in these ways. Seek him. Seek the word. Seek his truth. Pray, Holy Spirit, I want to be used by you, not for my glory, but for your glory, God. I want to be used by you. Then have a go. We've said this over a week. You know, fear so often prevents God from being displayed. So often we think, well, if I do this, and I know the Holy Spirit's prompting me to do it, but if I do it, what if I look silly? Yeah, what if you don't? What if God wants to speak a word through you? What if God wants to heal and use you as his vessel? What if God wants to do a mighty work in and through your life? Have a go. When you have a go, when you feel prompted by the Holy Spirit, when you just believe you're gifted by God in that area, be yourself. Be rooted in love, but be yourself allow God to work through your personality through who you are like I said a couple of weeks ago don't turn into a weirdo don't turn into someone else just be yourself in how God uses you and let's look to use these gifts wherever God places us okay these gifts aren't just for a Christian conference though they are but they're to be used in in Asda they used to be they're to be used at the, the local park they're to be used um, in the workplace they're to be used wherever God prompts you in that moment to flow in the gifts 
of the Holy Spirit in the way that we've taught in this series. So this week, what could God for it do for your life through the person of the Holy Spirit? If we were just vessels for every morning to God, I'm ready to be used by you. And so I just want to pray a commissioning prayer over your life as we close down uh, this series. Holy Spirit, I just thank you for all that you are and all that you want to do in and through our lives. I thank you uh, for your word. I thank you that your word is truth. I thank you for all that we've learned over these last six weeks. I thank you for the contributions from Mark and Daphne as well. I thank you for the conversations that have flowed out of this series. And Lord, we are ready to be used by you. Holy Spirit, empower us and place us where you need us to be. And God, when we're there, help us to have the courage to open up our mouths and to be used by you in powerful ways. Holy Spirit, I thank you for the privilege and I just pray an anointing upon those who call Family Church Haven't Home, that they would go and turn their world upside down for the glory of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Well, next week, we're beginning a brand new series. We're going to be back here for a brand new series on Sunday Night Local. Until then, have a great day and uh, a great day. No, it's evening now, isn't it? Have a great rest of the evening or the day if you're listening to this later on. I'm going to stop waffling. Speak to you soon.